This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Annabeth Gish, and we cover a little bit of everything from her early inspirations in entertainment of reading books and theater to mentors and standout lessons and early projects that taught her a significant amount about herself and, of course, succession. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Annabeth Gish. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Annabeth Gish. Annabeth, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, hi, hi. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> There's so much I want to talk about with your life and okay. career. I promise we won't go through the entire resume today. Um, okay. Talk about Mayfair Witches. I'd love to hear about X-Files, uh, collaborations and relationships in this industry. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Mm, well, I was always a lover of books, deep, deep. I mean, I would get immersed and lost in reading from an early age or being read to. That was where my love of the imaginative world started. And, and I, you know, I, the seed of it, I guess, I mean, I really, I remember one Halloween, maybe I was seven or eight and I, I, my mom had made some Halloween costume you know, and I was playing a movie star, which was for a Halloween, you know, sure, sure. glitter and and all of that. And and I suppose then, even then, I knew I wanted to be in the movies. I, I, I would practice little speeches in the mirror, whether it was a Coke commercial or my acceptance speech or some sure. of those things. And those seem a little bit um, egotistical or narcissistic. But but from an inception point, I knew I wanted to to act. Um, I, and I started doing theater, local theater in Iowa when I was eight and um, continued my love of that, for that, with that throughout my life, you know. And there was a course for sure, a course that I um, both worked at diligently and very hard and still do, but then also an unfolding that happened to me as well. You know, I mean, I was living in Cedar Falls, Iowa. It wasn't exactly the place where people were discovered at 13. Sure. What was the, um, growing up, what, what were your parents teaching you about work ethic? Both of my parents are hard workers. Both of I grew up with both parents working daily. You know, my mom was a teacher. My father was a professor. And uh, both worked very hard. You know, I grew up um, middle class, uh, you know, and um, a family of five, three kids. And they were always very, you know, th the arts were very important. Uh, my father was an English professor and my mom also. I was just very, dancing and music and arts were very important. And I caught the bug. And, you know, even though, I mean, I started very young and my parents were very active in that career development. They had to be to get me places. And, sure. Um, and, you know, it was always very diligent about professionalism, being prepared, uh, saving your money, <laughs> yep. not, you know, taking, choosing carefully sure. things that were in alignment with value systems. 
Um, I mean, we were all fumbling our way as we went, but but they definitely imprinted a very strong work ethic and professionalism in me. Did you have me. any mentors growing up? Are there any standout lessons from any particular mentors? Mm, I mean, from one of my first acting teachers, Greta, to one of my first directors, um, F. Scott Regan, uh, you know, so many uh, influenced me. Uh, John Voigt, who was one of the first people I worked with on Desert Bloom, and Ellen Barkin and Joe Beth Williams, you know, those were very indelible presence, like people that really affected my first experience uh, and set, set a standard for sure. What was the self-talk for you in having a clear vision on where you wanted to head or where you knew you were heading and staying true to that as more outside forces come in and <laughs> and put their own opinions mm. on what you should be doing in your life? <laughs> yes. So complicated, all of that, especially in a teenage mindset and, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and naive and innocent and yet drawn to something and feeling purposeful and, you know, starry-eyed for sure. Sure. Fame wasn't what I was chasing necessarily because we all know how uh, <laughs> fame is, you know, it can, it can be toxic for many people. Yeah. But just wanting to be connected to the arts. Um, Self-talk at 13... Uh, oh, there's my, that was what it was like. Self-talk, my dog barking. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it was always very interesting to find my own sense of self-esteem, uh, my own identity, apart from the characters that I was beginning to play. And apart from my parents, you know, uh, I got kind of got thrust into this world in the 80s that was, you know, a lot of successful chick flicks of the time or 80s movies, you know, Shag, Mystic Pizza, yeah. um, Hiding Out, you know, the kind of eclectic 80s movies. And and yet I knew, I, I, I really drove the decision I wanted to go to college at the time right after Mystic Pizza came up because I knew I needed uh, an education. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed more groundedness in order to survive, you know, what else was out there. Mm -hmm. That's very wise <laughs> for a child, <laughs> essentially, to tell themselves, you know, I need to step away from all of this and go study at a university before mm. I come back into it. Yeah. What was, yeah. What was the journey even after, you know, even after college, making that yeah. move back? Was it a very common sense? Had you had been missing it after <laughs> Four years. It's funny you say wisdom, but I probably say fear. I mean, I, I oh, just, okay. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I did not know. I didn't. I knew I didn't have the tools to 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 make it um, alone without training. You know, both in life and and acting. Um, but yes, I I I had the luxury also of going to college. I went to Duke University and knowing what I wanted to do outside afterwards. You know, and so. College was really just this beautiful experience of what do I want to study, knowing mm. that it all would infuse my job of choice sure. rather than having to go on a specific path, you know? 
Mm. Uh, and, but yes, I always knew I wanted to go back. I knew it was going to be LA. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I literally drove cross country from Durham, North Carolina to then Albuquerque where my parents were the little stopover. And then I drove out to Los Angeles and set up shop. What was that? If, if you can recall it, what was that early talk, I guess, against fear or when self-doubt creeps into the mind? What is the self-talk mm. for you to move on through? Well, again, uh, I think anyone who pursues a career in this particular field or industry has a bit of a gambler side to them, you know, uh, sure, sure. because it is a gamble. You you never know. There's no real job security. But I I was buoyed by the fact that after after I graduated, I was um, I got cast in Wyatt Earp. Mm -hmm. uh Lawrence Kasdan's movie with Kevin Costner and and so that was like uh, initially a wonderful kind of launching pad for this second part of my career yeah were there any um standout lessons? I'm curious about Wyatt Earp were there any particular yeah. standout moments and lessons from the top performers that you're working with <laughs> just little things you'd hear mm. or anything that stood out to you or well, that that particular set was just a cadre of movie stars, right? It was Dennis Quaid, it was Kevin Costner, it was just so many amazing. And Lawrence Kasdan himself was a filmmaker star. You know, once when you get to work with people like that, you see, you see star quality, you see hustle, you see fight. Mm. Uh, I mean, fight in a passionate way. You know. Yeah. What, what makes people survive in this industry, you know? Yeah. And through through the TV and film credits, because there's was there a standout for you on which one you were focusing on to perform more on um, television or versus film? Mm -hmm. Or is it really just kind of like, I want to perform, you know, in L.A., we'll see where it goes kind of thing? Well, it's interesting. I... I had only done feature films before I went to college. I did a television movie with Jenna Rollins my spring semester that I took off uh, to do. Uh, it was called Silent Cries, mm. and it was a wonderful experience. Um, but, but I think, you know, features was kind of where it was in the big scope. Sure. But then everything started to change, you know. I mean, it was the, just the precipice of, of how television was becoming uh, a new platform th that would become so diverse. Mm. Uh, and I think X Files definitely it, that was my first. I had done a few pilots that never really took off, mm. um, and guest starred on some television shows. But but X Files and that series regular role was a first for me, and and very important in my trajectory, I think, and endurance. Hmm. In terms of performing and having such honest, and I thank you for having such honest, vulnerable performances and everything that I've seen you in. It's really, it's an education. And I think it, I say this a lot. I think it leaves the world a better place when people have mm. extreme talent and they use it. And it's, you know, it's mm. you do a great disservice if we don't, if you don't use your talent. So I appreciate that. So thank you. I'm curious, how has that made you better at communicating and listening? 
Mm, my God, in every single way. Uh, that's such a good question. You know, as an actor, you really make a point of studying nuance, mm -hmm. tone, intention, uh, psychology, you know, things things behind what's said. Uh, it, it really is a question of, of nuance, I think. And you really have to be uh, a great, I personally think I prefer actors who actively listen. <laughs> there are some, there are some people that I've worked with who are just, you know, they just say their line. They know what they're going to do. They know how their performance is going to go as opposed to letting listening and then be affected by what you're hearing as if for the first time. Right. And I think there's something magical when you really do open your ears, you obviously come prepared, you know, your words, but when there's an ability to have a clear channel to the moment mm -hmm. uh, in performance, then I think it is absolutely an imperative skill to take into your own life of personal relationships as well. You know, just listening to what's not said, you know. There was some point after college where I really started to listen and it's amazing how much is said to you. If you mm, really mm -hmm. just listen to the way it's said and what's being told in, you know, in a business, negotiating, performing, any of it, it's, it all comes out if you really listen. Yes, I agree. And, and tuning into that frequency, uh, it, it's such a beautiful part of our instrument as human beings, but also as actors or writers or what creatively, like if you're, you're listening to, you just get so many, not to sound ex filey, but you know, <laughs> the, da the downloads that we can receive if we are channels of, um, readiness, you know, just a, 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 an openness. And, and of course, sometimes we aren't because shit gets in the way and, uh, we have, we put on defenses and armors and all of those things, to not listen, uh, because that's just the human experience, you know? It's, yeah. a, it's amazing how much easier though it all flows when you do. Uh, yes, I agree. You know, communication in your life and well, really in work, how have you found the balance between making things happen and letting things happen? Ooh, that would be the secret sauce of, of, Piece. Yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I, I wish I had that in a bottle. I, I, you know, as I get older and I see, I think there is, there, it's both. I often talk about this as a parent too, with my two teenage sons, you know, the, the importance of effort and ambition and, uh, hustle. Mm hmm versus versus also then the idea of being in the flow and letting things happen allowing you know surrendering there there has to be some holding the tension between those two you know ridiculously opposite yes <laughs> points, Polar points opposites. of being yes yes but i so i think in you know to answer your question more specifically you know some things in my career have happened because i have I mean, I, you know, not giving up is, is a, a massive, you know, I think it's a, it's a very po good positive thing to do. Having endurance mm -hmm. 
and maintaining mental health, trying to while you're enduring, you know, um, because there are highs and lows and there have been really peak moments and then troughs of, you know, <laughs> yeah. times when I haven't worked. Mm -hmm. So it's imperative that you kind of learn to s straddle that line. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.